0: You, you you just said it. So as I say, if they see it's important to you, if they see you value our heritage, people are throwing away our heritage.
1: Firehouse Vigilance presents the Weekly Scrap, a podcast dedicated to the never-ending fight against complacency. Firehouse Vigilance Weekly Scrap, number 38. I am super excited because who we have today needs no introduction, but I'm going to attempt to do it anyway. 40 years in the fire service, from the bottom to the top, chief at Louisville for over 12 years, author of the best-selling Pride and Ownership of Firefighters' Love of the Job, more than 200 published articles on fire service-related topics, co-author of Five Alarm Leadership with your partner in crime, John Salka. Uh, You're a sought-after public speaker, phenomenal instructor, and you have done so much for the fire service that my introduction is barely scratching the surface. And my pleasure to have you on Weekly Scrap, number 38, Chief Rick Lasky. Welcome,
0: sir. Oh, thank you, brother. And I'll, I'll make sure you get that gift card uh, for that wonderful introduction <laughs> that you just did. It'll be from Dingus Fire, my good buddy, Jeff Bryant. So we'll make sure we just perfect. you. are You're too kind. You're too kind, Corley. Thank you. It is
1: well-deserved, sir. And um, I, I would like to tell you straight out the get-go that uh, the book, Pride and Ownership, when I read it, it had such a... Uh, the The section on ceremony changed... Basically, we had... Guys with the 25, 30 years come leaving our department, retiring out, and they would get a cake and a few guys gathering in the bay saying, see you later. And that book literally changed into the, uh, for the last probably eight to 10, I would say eight years, it has been phenomenal in uh, the ceremony that we send them off with. And so it's made a huge difference.
0: Well, can you imagine, though? you know, and, and a couple examples I can give you is, you know, my, one of my mentors, chief Tom Freeman, I mentioned him in a lot of my classes in a couple of books. Um, when I first got promoted to battalion chief years ago, you know, he had, he had talked to my boss at the time and he says, are you going to do anything? He goes, well, no, he goes, well, come on, really? How much is a cake, you know, a damn cake. And I I was in Amarillo, Texas. I love Amarillo, a great fire department, great people, uh, just like pretty much all the fire departments across the country and in Canada. Um, and I was doing a class and I got to where I was talking about retirees. And I looked in the, in the second row corner, and there was a guy that had been there all day and he, he started crying. And I looked out and I said, you know, I just stopped. I said, everything. Okay. He goes, so he looked at me, he says, you know, I, I worked at such and such department one well, Amarillo. He goes, I worked there 33 years again, one well, Amarillo. I worked in my department 33 years. And the day I retired, I grabbed my box of all my stuff from my locker and the guy said goodbye. I walked out to my pickup truck and I left and I was like, God, how, how, you know, I'm sorry. And, 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 you know, there's a lot of hardworking people out there, Crowley, doing all kinds of different occupations. I've met very few people that are driving down the street and they go, they look back where they're showing, they go, God, I wish I could go back and hang out at that factory you know right. it's 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 the fire service and it's such a special place and it's so hard to get into it sometimes and then when you when you've accomplished this incredible thing to leave without even so much as you know a farewell deal for i just i, I don't buy it i don't think it's right and you know a buddy of mine Steve Riverra when he was in Dallas you know a couple thousand guys he still made a point I'd go with him and go come on we're going out to you know 58 station, station 24. So and so retired today. I'm going out there. I'm gonna make sure. Here's a guy that's got a ton of things going on. Over 2,000 people work for him, and he still made a point of getting out to the firehouses for for those things. And I, I don't know. I just I just think it's a shame to let some of the people that have done what they've done to make the fire service what it is uh, just walk out like that.
1: No, it was powerful. And like I said, when I read it, it was a gut punch to me. And so. Uh, just one small testimonial of the difference it's made uh, for me personally. So I want to say thanks on that <laughs>
0: Thank uh, you. to
1: everyone watching live. If you have questions for chief Rick Lasky, please don't hesitate to put them in here. Um, put them in the comments and I'll, I'll throw them at him and he will field them gladly. Um, all right, chief, you're a firefighters fire chief and many would take you to this day. Uh, if you would come out of retirement. <laughs> so, but uh, I want, I know it's hard to encapsulate. I know we don't I, I know we could go down a deep rabbit hole, but try to encapsulate the bedrock of what you are from your 40 years of learning and everything else is what made you who you are.
0: Well, good parenting, number one. And, uh, it's just as important as that was, you know, my, my dad got me going to fire service. He passed away the other day, uh, was at his side and, uh, he got me hooked on it when I was in diapers. I mean, that's how young I was going, going to fires and going to things with him. And, you know, I, I, told the story at his funeral, a couple of stories when we were talking at his funeral. And then we stepped up to say a few words. And the one was, and I talked about Pride and Ownership, where it must have been about 2.30 in the morning. Uh, this is back when they brought their gear home with them. We're out southwest side of Chicago in you know, the suburbs. And the tones went off on the old plectron. And I heard him in my bed. I'm a little guy, a little, little guy. And I go flying down the stairs, out the door, I jump in the back of our station wagon. I crawl into right his bunker coat. He comes out jumps in the car goes blue light going we get to the column it's not probably the best of neighborhoods he takes his boots puts it, he pulls a coat off and he goes holy you know and right. so he drags me out of the car collie over to the pumper and leaves me and he's like don't you ever do that again you know, He scared me first off and that was the one. her second was you know my mom I'm a little kid puts me in the bathtub bathtub time bath time and i'm in there and play with my toys and i start you know doing firefighter noises and I just sat there and I started doing, you know, the, the rooftop siren noise. I just did the whole, and I did that. And I heard the door closing, the car go, and I'm like, not a big deal. About 15, 20 minutes later, he's standing in the, the bathroom door with a cigar in his mouth, and he goes, they're all laughing at me. I drove all the way to the firehouse, and there was no damn call. Stop making that siren noise with your voice. So, you know, for me, good parenting and then for us, I guess in any occupation, what made it for me is good mentoring. I was fortunate to have been surrounded by some great mentors: Chief Jack McCas and Chief Tom Freeman, Chief Eddie Enright, friends like Chief Tommy Trevino, Chief Ray Hoff. All these people that that as I was getting ready to step on a landmine, they pushed me off to the side, or if I did, they helped me recover from it. Um, you know, and and they were some of the most grounded people Corley I knew. About, you know, meaning they never forgot what it was like to crawl down a hallway. They never forgot what you know. They didn't hide in an office. They didn't hide behind a desk. You know, it was that, you know, how white is your helmet thing They, you know, you, you turn around and you're, you're getting your ass kicked on the stairs, trying to get the second floor and Jack McCas has got your air pack pushing. You go to the right last I'm like, where the hell did he come from? <laughs> um, but it wasn't just the toughness on the fire ground. It's how they, they, they mentored, they cared for the fire service. Um, I get asked how I got into instructing and why. And, I, and one of the reasons was I just watched these guys and I watched students just key off their words and watch students just, and I go, I, it wasn't an ego thing. I wanted to do that. I wanted to have an impact on people where, um, like I sat like in, in, in Mac Big Mac's class or Eddie Enroy's class and going, God, I want to be just like that. You know, it's just... So having those great mentors to keep you grounded, you know, there, right now there's a lot of folks out there that are struggling with, uh, I just said the egos eat brains. Um, you know, social media has a lot of people get on there and I, I don't know how I mentioned on a show once before, how you can post something, a statement, with a a of review that says I'm extremely humbled and honored to receive this leadership award from the Kiwanis club for their lunchtime. I was the guest speaker which is a ritual they do. Well, I, no problem with you saying I was honored to be their speaker, but how are you humble taking a picture of yourself? You know, I just, a friend of mine told me, he says, you know what, the egos eat brains. I just think every now and then, pretty much for me every day, you got to make fun of yourself. If you, when you start reading your own newspaper clippings, you start taking yourself so serious. Me and my best buddy, John Salka, say it all the time, we're nobody. We're just a couple of firefighters that love the fire service. We love hanging with firefighters. We love going to dinner with firefighters. We love visiting firehouses, sitting around a kitchen table. And I think that's probably the best way to stay grounded. Never forget where you came from. We were all there once. We were all nervous the first day we walked into the firehouse, scared out of our drawers, you know what I'm saying? Right? And just, I I just, there's always that new guy or gal coming in and and he or she's going. God, I just hope I don't get bullied or picked on. I hope somebody just shows me the way, because this isn't about making sandwiches or delivering pizzas. This is pretty serious stuff right we on. do, you know. No, absolutely, not. dude. I, gee, I love it. Uh, Hannah
1: Elliot asked this question: What do you consider to be your biggest career accomplishment, and why?
0: My biggest career accomplishment.
1: Um, just to put you on the spot. Thank you,
0: Hannah. Yeah, thanks, Hannah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I guess the biggest career accomplishment was uh, creating this, the Saving Her Own program. Um, I, I, lost, I lost a friend of mine, and um, I was teaching incredible institution, University of Illinois Fire Service Institute, one of those fire schools in the country. Great people. I, I, I cherish the memories, all the years teaching there. But we were teaching everything, Corley, Cor- and Hannah. We were teaching... We, I was teaching tactics a strategy. I was teaching instructor one through four. I'm a big hazmat geek. I love hazmat, teaching hazmat. I was teaching paramedic school essentials, teaching search. I'm a truck guy, right? right so teaching ladders and fourth century and all that and live burns. And yeah, to just I mean, anything I could do, I was just eating it up and teaching it. The one thing we weren't teaching, we weren't teaching firefighters how to save firefighters. And um, I'd have a class of like 35 and this is back. You know, nineteen ninety, and I I'd ask the questions how many people here have practiced, you know, saving a you know, rescuing a firefighter? three hands would go up. One of them one of them actually did it. The other one was the one they said, Hey Corley, lay down and see if they you notice dummy, you're missing right? that guy. And the other one was lying. And uh, <laughs> yeah. uh so after uh, you know, a friend of mine got killed, I went to my my assistant director, Jim Straseski and said, I got an idea for a program. I was talking to my buddy from FDY, Sal Marchese, about this. A program dedicated solely to teaching firefighters how to save one of their own. It's called Saving Our Own Techniques for Firefighter Rescues. And from there, that you know, the first five instructors was I was the lead. Um, Ray Hoff, uh, Ray Hoff, uh, uh, left us unexpectedly after surgery several years back. Ray was the best man at my wedding. His wife oh. Barb was my wife's uh, maid of honor. Ray and Bobby Hoff were the Backtrap brothers. Uh, their dad uh, sadly and tragically was taken for them February fourteenth, nineteen sixty one. Brother Tom uh, holding you know their dad's helmet, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, Ray, who was my best friend at the time, and uh, until we lost him, obviously um, years later. But Ray and then John Norman, Sal Marchese, and Donnie Hay from New York wow. City, yeah. and uh, the program just exploded and. You know, my, my best buddy, John Salka, was teaching Get Out Alive at the same time, and that's actually how we met. We were introduced by oh, John really? Norman, okay. and we got together, and the whole RIT Mayday thing evolved from what we were teaching, and never did we ever imagine that, you know, RIT teams and, the, you know, the, the Nance drill uh, based on the, the our article in January 1988 the Columbus Monthly on the murder of John Nance, John Nance from Columbus, Ohio. You know, the Langvart drill, the Denver drill, based on Mark Langvart and Dave McGrail's article – April 1992, but the, uh, in fire engineering, the September uh, uh, 1991 fire that took Mark, you know, stairs rescues, window rescues, ropes, all the different things, ladder. Um, to, 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 to not go on too long about that, I really have to feel that's that's the greatest accomplish, accomplishment. To know that I just had a, a, a part in getting that rolling. And then the ripples are still are still. Spreading
1: so, man, it, it was a big <laughs> impact. I mean, it was. I mean, good, good question, Hannah. Thank you. Uh, awesome. So, uh, don't the take qu- it, the no-
0: question is for Hannah. Are you a member of Women in Fire? I'm a I'm a I'm a dues paying member. And the reason I say that is, my good friends in that organization, and that is used to be International Association of Women Emergency Fire Services, and they changed it to Women in Fire. It's an absolute incredible organization with incredible mentors, incredible role models. If my daughter said she wanted to be a firefighter tomorrow, I wouldn't let her do it unless she joined well, that she association. Did. I pay dues every year. I love them dearly. They are an incredible group. And uh, uh, I just think more people need to, do, to belong. And, and, and they're just great. So awesome. I had to throw that in her. Oh, no, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh,
1: culture. And you are a huge proponent of values. I wanted to ask you this question is why is it, I, I, I'm speaking generally so, because I'm sure there's exceptions that some can articulate, but why is it so many, Fire departments seem unable to articulate what their values are beyond the
0: service-wide mission of saving lives and property. I think some of that, bud, is just um, unfortunately. There's a lot of classes that uh, a- a- executive chief officer. Now, I mean, I mean, EFOs. I'm talking the executive or You know, the, you have the command staff, which is the battalion chiefs and all that, And you got the executive staff. They'll go to these classes. I teach a lot of them on the corporate side and in the fire service on developing your, your values, vision and mission and you know, that whole thing. And unfortunately some people, I think, I don't think they get very overly excited about it, but they wrap their arms around too much. And, and you've seen it, I've seen it where you go to a fire department and there's like nine values. And then their vision statement is really cloudy. And their mission statement is so freaking long that nobody can remember the thing. And I'm like, you know, you, you you need something you can wrap your arms around. And in Louisville, and they still, our three values, which obviously ours were one spoke on the, the wheel, right? The COG is the city and us, police, public works, library, water department, all them, parks. Our, our values were pretty simple. They were pride, honor, and integrity. You know, and pretty easy and to remember. I could pretty much, yeah. And I could pretty much, you know, I could pretty much fit everybody else's word vomit into those three words. And they were three that you can embrace about, you know, and I, and I just think too many people, they get going on this, 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 this model they're trying to do, and this branding thing that people do that they write something so big that I've been places where I'll ask a young firefighter. So once, once your departments, what's your department's mission statement, <coughs> excuse me. And they'll go, um, I know teamwork's in there somewhere and something. <laughs> and I'm like, so what are your department's values? Well, I know honesty is one. I said, they said honesty or they say integrity. And, so I guess that's probably the biggest challenges is there are so many places they don't have realistic, you know, a set of values, vision, and mission, and that's what it is. I tell people if you took a shovel and you dug down the board uh, to bedrock, chink, and you went chink, and you hit bedrock, you know this. This is, those are your core for your for your viewers. Those are your core values. That's why they're called your core values. Pink. That's everything you stand on. It's the very foundation. That you stand on it, depending on what you're standing, where you're, you have as values will allow you to build on top of that. And and as you crawl out of that first level, you're crawling past words, but like, like, like you're getting to like your character, which is built by your integrity. You know, how honest are you when nobody's looking and, and all mm-hmm. that. So you got that. And then you get to that word honor. Are you a person of honor? Do you do honorable things? All those things. And the last thing, you know, like I says, that pride, not the pride associated with arrogance. I'm talking about the pride associated with ownership that I own this town. I own this city. This is my firehouse, my engine. That's my captain. That's my partner. You know, it's all about that passion. But if you can't articulate that, if you can't, if you can't get your people to buy into something that they don't think is realistic or that they don't, they're like, really, this is the fire service. Well, if you want to get warm and fuzzy with all kinds of other things, our mission statement was be fair, be safe, be nice, treat people like family. Then say not say have a homeland security and rescue and fires. Be fair, be safe, be nice, treat people like family, both in and out of the firehouse. Not rubbing your shoulders warm and fuzzy. you know. Let, let's let be the kind of firefighters we read about growing up and the oh, kind yeah, of firefighters that we want to be. I love that. that, I love
1: that. So, Don't take yourself too seriously. And I'm basically encapsulated in keep it simple, stupid. Is a kiss when it comes to yeah. articulating? <laughs> I yes, love it. yes yes, yes <laughs> uh, okay now then i listened to, uh I've listened to almost everything I can find that you put out there on YouTube and on podcasts. uh two things I wanted to bring up off of your old school podcast with John Salka um one of them the first one was the importance of the b c making the rounds. I absolutely loved this podcast. I hadn't heard anybody touch on this and anything else and uh it, what do you do like when you were the when you were the man, the five bugle chief at the top? What did you do to try and encourage that, to make that happen with your uh, chief officers? And then uh, taking it down a level, what do you do to encourage your captains to be involved with their crews?
0: Well, my, dealing with the BCs, my predecessor, Good Boss, um, you know, was using a model a little bit of uh, giving a lot of administrative duties to the BCs. And there's a lot of play, so I don't need all these extra assistant deputy chiefs. I've got BCs. They're not running fires all the time. I'll give them more work. And the more you saddle them down with the administrative duties, it, it gives them less time to do the shift stuff. So when I got to Louisville um, in 2000, I met with the BCs and I kind of had them walk me through the day. And I go, okay, number one, and this is a talk for another show. <laughs> uh, if, I, if I ever show up at a fire and you're sitting inside the car, um, we're going to have a talk. You know, uh, we'll have enough chiefs there. Someone will be sitting in the car drawing pictures with the Crayola set, but I want you to outrun the fire. Where you can see it you can hear see you know see what's going on so on and so forth the other thing is you're going to make rounds we're going to get you out and you know lesson i learned from chief eddie enright uh from retired after 38 years of chicago what i mentioned before incredible man incredible mentor loved by tons of people great great fire officer firefighter when i used to ride out with him he was in the third battalion before he got uh, promoted to deputy district chief we'd make station rounds and he'd walk in and they, the guys would either there's he said there's gonna be a two, there's gonna be a cup of coffee on the counter on a table okay. that means either hey chief how about a cup because they don't have a cup of coffee or they want to talk about something you know and we'd make the rounds he'd walk in talk to the lieutenant talk to the captain who was there with the guy whatever he had to do and eventually he'd mosey over and this is before the computer log he'd walk over to the journal he'd take his finger he'd start at the top and make sure everything was in order. They were all up to date, and then he would sign and date at a time when he was in there. And I said, "What do you do that for?" He goes, "Well, first of all, we're supposed to do this. Secondly, it, it you know allows me to make sure the company officers caught up with everything that should be journaling. Nowadays, you do that electronic signature right. on the computer. Um, and 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 we talked about the importance, which I believe so much in it, making or uh, having your BCs make those rounds. Um, kills off first of all a lot of the rumors. You know, the yeah, guys and yeah. gals are at the firehouse. You know, we mentioned Hannah was listening. Hannah and Corley are at firehouse seven and they're like, Okay, you know, you know, you know Salka's gonna be here today. I don't know what time, depends when he gets you, but when he gets here, we'll ask him. Because this is this is bull. I heard this is going on. Right. I get there, and they sit down and they got their comment, they go, Where did you hear that? No, that's not true. I was just with the chief. That's not true. Or it gives you a chance to really sit down and develop your people. It gives you a chance to meet with your capital lieutenant and kind of do some mentoring for the firefighter. You get to see where people's strengths and weaknesses are, who's in the uniform for the day, you know, um, how they're drilling. You make, you know, if you decide to stop by, well, it's drill time. to make sure they're drilling. And and just, you sit back, you're just kind of observing to see who who the all-stars are, who needs the, you know, the improving, who's working hard, who's ducking work right. or whatever. Right. It gives you a chance to see if the firehouse is being taken care of. You know, um, you know, John mentions that the one time he had a BC with the battalion commander, 18th Battalion, the Bronx. And one of his counterparts, when the guy, you know, came in and said, you know, when when did they put that spare engine in 88's house? You know, when did they take it out of service? He goes, like, six months ago. Right. Six months ago. He goes, I mean, when's the last time you've been in the firehouse? So there's so many things that you can pick up on from sizing up your people, how they're drilling, how the firehouse looks, killing off rumors a cup of coffee. I used to love when I was, you know, just being able to sit at the kitchen table, and talk tactics, a strategy and talk about the job they had yesterday on C shift and some of the <laughs> challenges they faced, you know what I'm saying? Yes. And just, you know, what's coming up next. It just, I think when you don't do that, uh, I know I had a firehouse, they call themselves the Alamo. They were, they said they're the last outpost. They don't see anybody out there ever. And I'm like, God, how horrible, what kind of mess is that sent you guys were the shift commander can't even make it by the fire. So I told my guys, I don't care if it's midnight. You're gonna go by the firehouse. You're gonna make your rounds, hit every firehouse. If you have to run in, stop, say, look, guys, I'm dropping off the mail, everything good, blah, blah, blah. And take I understand that, but you're gonna make your rounds. I don't want you going just to your favorite firehouse. Right. You know, because that's <laughs> sure. how you get right. You get, get that problems. echo chamber. Exactly. Or you end up with problems festering that you could have taken care of by being the boss, being the leader that takes care of stuff. And real quick, if I can, before we move off this one, there's a, you know, I see these memes a lot on social media about, you know, a boss, you know, the boss leader thing, a boss goes at you, a leader rubs your shoulders, a boss tells you, you know, I've worked (laughs) for great bosses and I've worked for horrible bosses and I've worked for people, so-called leaders who couldn't find the word leader with two hands, a flashlight and a CNI dog, you know what I'm saying? Right. Don't get hung up on a word. You know, be a great boss, be a great leader, take care of people, be involved, get to know them, know their lives, know their strengths, know their weaknesses, make those rounds, kill off the rumors. You're the morale siren. The, the captain's the lieutenants are the coaches. You're the morale. You're coming around, you know, and you're you're the GM coming down from the booth to talk to the head coach and the assistant coaches. You know, don't waste that opportunity. Oh.
1: And, and you can take off on any tangent you want. You know, you can stay on any topic you want as long as you want. <laughs> I'm just giving you free reign because uh, I could sit here and listen to you preach it all day. Uh, killing the rumors, man. Just 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 that one, uh, one facet of all that you brought up could
0: take care of so many issues of the culture. Wouldn't it be nice if you didn't have to worry about what A-Shift was saying about you? Or what C You know what I'm saying? Wouldn't it be nice if you just, I mean, we all have our food fights, so we're a family, sure. but wouldn't it be nice and, and, and just, you know, 90% of what you hear is usually just a bunch of BS sometimes, or it's so exaggerated that, you know, so if you're a BC, make the rounds, kill off the rumors, know your people. You know, if you're someone you don't get along with, what a great way to either fix it or, hell, make them feel really uncomfortable until they decide to grow up and you're going to work as a team, you know, out. just don't- don't run away from them. Take care of it. Be a boss.
1: Oh, and, and the telephone game that exists in the fire service, it puts uh, a lady's sewing circle to shame. I mean, it's amazing how much a, a story can morph. <laughs> it's unreal. So uh, uh, the other podcast that you guys did and I loved was We Come Second. Uh, absolutely. That might be my favorite podcast that I listen to from you, uh, the you 2 And Mainly it was on the leadership side of things about how the leader comes second to his men, And you could talk on that as long as you would like to. And then on the fire ground, you know, that all shifts and we all come second. So
0: go well, ahead. And I guess that, you know, that, that whole started, we've talked about that for the longest time that I, I think somebody counted in one of our company, officer Academies, I think we said it. I think one Academy, like, Forty-three times they counted over three days that we your, we said your people come first. Gotcha. Somebody at the end came out and said forty-three, chief. You said it forty-three times, you achieved Salka. and and if you back it up to what you said about the fire ground. you know there, there's there's so many articles that, that have come out. And granted, there's been a lot of great research. Our good friends at UL have done incredible things for us. If you're not paying attention and have an open mind, and you're just living over there in the corner like a mushroom, sure. well. We all know what grow what, what what you need to grow a mushroom, okay? So that being said, you got you to gotta pay attention. You have to have your eyes and ears open and so on and so forth. But there was a little bit of a switch. All of a sudden, there were people out there, and I'm not going to say those that don't want to go into burning buildings. Other people will say that. That all of a sudden started this whole prioritization that we're number one. Now, let's talk at a fire. Let's just specifically talk at a fire. Now, I agree with them. That we're number one when it comes to tr- providing your people with the best equipment, the best protective clothing, the best apparatus you can do to their jobs, providing with the best training, the best leadership. Yeah, our our guys and gals are number one. The men and women that work for you are number one in that aspect. But everything else that surrounds us, everything from fire prevention to public education to EMS to special rescue to fire suppression, everything we do, everything. From reading to little kids to changing smoke detector batteries is about them, and, then, and there's thousands of things that pertain to them. Those people come first. Now, you show up at a structure fire, a house fire, at 10 o'clock at night, and this whole you know this whole thing that we're number one, you know, we're number one. It's about <laughs> our city. You know, first of all, if you're that hazardous of a fire department where you can't trust your people with the proper protective clothing, the proper equipment, the proper leadership, and the proper You've got bigger problems than who's number one or number two. You provide your people with the stuff they need to do their jobs. You show up. Your officers and firefighters should be able to make good, sound decisions as to whether it's offensive, defensive, whether we make a a, a heavy outside offensive attack. You know, large caliber. And then, boom, we can slingshot and get in there with a handline and so on and so forth. But if you pull up, Corley, and some mom is tugging on your shirt sleeve, on your on your book, or go saying, my 10-year-old just ran back in there after our dog. If you take your helmet off to put your face piece on your hood and you look inside, there's a number two in there. It doesn't say we're number one. Well, I don't know, you know, And we and we said this uh, 100 times more. Could you imagine the Marines... You know, I don't know, I don't know, Gunny, if we should charge that hill. They may actually shoot a they real bullet. us. <laughs> so, yeah. they called you because their house is on fire and, and quite possibly a loved one is missing or unaccounted for. This is where your training pays off. This is where the confidence you have, the knowledge that you have, your cognitive and your psychomotor skills coming together, the gear you're wearing, everything, and good bosses go, Corley, come on, we're gonna make a push, we're going in there. Now once you get in, you go, it's, it's got it. It's, you know what? There's not, look, we, we, we've got more animal than we've got, you know, weapons. We're bringing it to a knife to a gunfight. It's back out, hit this. I'm off. I'm they can, it's like, they can order you to the roof, but they can't order you on it. Good officers that get up there go, Nope, we're not, we're right not on, chief. We can't right make on. this wrong. You know what I'm saying? So, so again, please to your viewers, I am not saying that we're not taking the safety of our people seriously. My, my best buddy John Salka was referred to by, by one of his guys at his retirement ceremony as he's, he's a GD safety Nazi. He said, "You better have your gear on. You better have your tools. You better if he says you back out, you better back out. If he said they, but, but he followed up by saying, when you, when he, when you hear the one A pull up in the Bronx there, and you hear Chief Salka's written, you know, voice on the radio, you know everything's gonna get better." He said, "The ultimate compliment for an officer, right? I'd follow him anywhere." I'd I follow know. him or anyway, he said, I thought he goes, I'd found to the gates of hell with none of my hands, but a halligan. He never said no one that crazy throws safety to the wind, but we have an obligation. Corley, you know, this, 100%, right? hundred percent, hundred preach it chief with this to, to get your ass in there, you know, go after these people. If you don't want to do that, get the hell out of my fire service, you know, go, go seriously. There, there's there I'm tired. There's a lot of pizza places that need delivery people. Go do well. You know, don't do that because you might get in an accident because you have to drive a car out in traffic if you're that worried about that. Because I guess you know your pizza oven is number one. I'm just saying, you know, you can be safe and take care of your people, equip them properly and lead them properly, and then make those decisions risk wise, right? Absolutely. You know, a good absolutely right. Is can, can we do it? Can we make entry? You know, is it pot? You know, the, the, again. Not saying you run in or commit suicide, but right. we have an obligation to other God. We just ought to shut our doors down. That you know, no one's saying be stupid and make dumb decisions and go do hazardous things and all this. You know, my buddy Ray McCormick said this a lot. You know, Ray. Oh, my yeah. buddy Ray McCormick just retired, a uh, lieutenant FNY. Great, 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 great guy. Long, God, ten years we were teaching together. He goes, you know, Ricky. He goes you know how many fires there are in this country? If you go to NIFRS, and not every agency reports their stuff to NIFRS, by the way, just under 40,000 firefighters in the United States, look at how many structure fires are reported a year according to NIFRS. And then look at how many firefighters are actually injured and then killed. He goes, I don't like the injuries, I don't like the deaths, So we should always be working very hard to keep those numbers as low as we can. He goes, but we're, we're not doing that bad. No, it's a pretty know, good ratio. At, man. Right? Yes. Look at how many fires. So, you know, so on the fire ground, you know, at emergencies, you've got to have a good risk risk management plan going, okay? we good, we're, you know, I, are we going to be able to do this? or not going to be able to do this. But you have to take everything, like I said before, wind it up and make that decision. But golly, man, I mean, the number one part with us, like I said, starts back in the firehouse and with everything else we've done and take making good, solid decisions, not allowing craziness to happen. But those people out there, man, the little kid in the bedroom or the grandma on the yeah, second absolutely. floor – I, I hope I bet you they're not even, th- could you imagine telling them while well, we're making a number in our helmet that says, uh, you know, your number, your number you're, two, you're number two, you know, so that's it now back it up to what you said about our personnel. I kind of mentioned already as leaders, as lieutenants and company officers, as senior. And I want to mention this to the senior firefighters out there. You play, Oh my God, a vital role in the, in the progress, the reputation, and, and and the successfulness of your fire department. Don't ever sell that short. A senior firefighter gets more stuff done for the company officer and sets the tempo. So, you, the lieutenant, the captain, the driver engineer, those battalions that everybody has a hand in this whole number one, number two thing. All right. We should all be doing everything we can to take care of our people, lead from the front, have values in our lives, have that mentor do everything we can to take care of our people. So that Unless you me. have to like everybody. You don't have to. No one said you have to like everybody at a fire service. You know, we, we've said for years, I had a guy, Timmy Brock, used to say a long time ago, guy when I was a young firefighter, he says, why do we always have to wait to get along? A, why do we always have to wait for a good fire to get along? And it's like, all right, we don't have to be buddies, but this is pretty serious stuff. Right and, you know, so, so th- yeah, the, the number one, number two thing, for some people that want to run that down the road the opposite way I'll just say to them, we're going to agree to disagree. You know, um, again, 100%. Safety, comes, safety comes first, but you know, not sending
1: something. no suicide missions. But yeah, hundred yeah. percent, we're here for them.
0: Exactly. exactly.
1: Uh, okay, I'm going to catch you up real quick. Hannah said, "Thank you, excellent response." I'm not a member currently, but thanks for the suggestion. So she'll look at the uh, <laughs> Michael Snodgrass uh, rang in and said, "Freeing your bosses of administrative tasks so they can be available for building crews." Great point. And then Hannah came back and said, Chief, you brought up mentorship numerous times. Would you mind sharing more of your thoughts on that? Like, how is it best to find those people and create that relationship with more experienced firemen, all for the purpose of learning? Well,
0: I think, you know, people ask, here, here when we talk about mentoring, If and I, I'm not trying to push a book here, but there's a section in our Five Alarm Leadership book about mentoring. Who makes a good mentor and why? Why do we mentor? The attributes of the mentor, what's accomplished and all that stuff. And again, that's that's like an hour presentation just in itself. But what often happens, Hannah and, and Corley, is when we talk about who makes for a good mentor and, and de- helping to describe the, the the positive traits of that mentor, this happens in class all the time. Someone looks over and they look and they go, "You see that guy sitting there? That that's my captain." uh, he's, he, he fits that bill. He's my mentor. You know, Cause <clears throat> excuse me, there's no name tag that says Lieutenant Shmagegi mentor, mentor. You know, it's, it's <laughs> a lot of people do it and they don't even know that's what they're doing. And it, it's kind of hard to go out and go, boy, I'd really, I'd really like Aunt Angie, Hughes, my good, good friend, you know, Baltimore County was president of iWomen for a long time. I think she's wonderful. I think she's an incredible fire ground officer, it's kind of hard to go, Angie, would you be my mentor? You know, that kind of thing. It's not sure. like this on Seinfeld, you know, the whole mentor show, <laughs> you know, but you know, I guess Hannah, what I would do is sit back and start to make mental notes of the people that you want to follow, the people you want to be like, you know, the, who, wh- wh- and I always say this, I used to say, when I grew up, who do I want to be like in the fire service? And I looked at, like I said, chief Jack McCassin, chief Eddie Enright, chief Tom Freeman, I started looking at these guys and going, that, that's who I want to be like. Because I love Max. I love his command presence. I love the way he could teach things like fire behavior and building construction have you sitting at the edge of your seat. It was just incredible. This guy that's built like a football linebacker, v- Vietnam vet Marine, who should be dead for what he went through in Vietnam. Eddie Enright's passion for the fire service is calmness on the fire ground. Tom Freeman smarts. And I didn't want to mimic and imitate and be them. I wanted to take little bits and pieces and stick general, them all over Rick to make right them on. better. Yes. And I think that's Hannah for, for Hannah right now, that's what, that's what helps you identify who your mentors are. If there's an ass jackass sitting in the corner, who's always picking on people, I'll say this out loud. I have no place, no place in my life for bullies and thugs at the fire service. Okay. But you know, you can, you can spot them. You can spot the person that's willing to help you can say, and then you kind of cozy up to them. You ask some more questions, and you kind of buddy up. And you become like work pals, you know. Like whether you're training, you're you're working on your knots together. You know, you're working on this together. You're working. I when I was going to paramedic school back in 1982, do not make fun of me, Corbin. Okay. 1982. <laughs> Keep it. I was a jock in high school. I wasn't very good at math, so I had somebody help me with my drug calculations. <laughs> you know, I had to be tutored. Um, you know, that doesn't happen without good mentors. So it's not something they're going to be carrying a sign around like the crossing guard saying, I'm the mentor. You have to actually look for them and you'll see them. Once you start looking for the, not to sound corny, Mr. Rogers, Mr. Rogers, you know, Mr. Rogers neighborhood. Used to tell little kids when you're scared, when there's something bad going on, something bad in your life, look for the helpers. He used to say, look for the helpers. Look for the people who who look for the helpers. It's the same thing in the fire service. Look for the helpers helpers. and and you'll find good mentors. That's awesome. No, that's solid.
1: Um, And uh, on your 1982 point, the last rookie class we hired uh, actually was the first time they hired people where I'd been in the fire service longer than they'd been alive. That was a first for me. And so (laughs) I'm getting there as far as that goes.
0: So I will not be making fun of you. Just spending time with my dad this last week before he passed, I was, we were telling stories and I'm like, God, I remember going to the firehouse when I was a kid, but I remember being a explorer when I, in 1977 and then starting everything in 80 and then going to paramount, you know, I was an EMT and just, you know, it, it goes by in a flash, man. Enjoy every, every moment, every minute, every second. So, hey, I'm blessed. And just like these
1: conversations, I'm blessed to be able to have them. Uh, Sean Coffey, he's one of my lieutenants. He said, "Chief Moore, do you see Chief Lasky's backdrop?" And I got to compliment you on your backdrop because it is—I uh, just moved into a new office, so there's absolutely nothing behind me. <laughs> and he's been busting my chops about getting some uh, paraphernalia to hang back there. So we'll see.
0: Well, well, here's—you know—this is the thing. You can't see it all, but um, for those that know me and you know me, I'm a huge history buff of the fire service. I love history, history of the fire service. I love teaching it. I love teaching the real stuff, not the fairy tales about a cow kicking over a lantern and all that stuff. That's not true. And the gangs in New York and all that, but I have so much stuff. This is my office slash studio. My, you can't see my big boom mic and all. I have helmets that go all the way around my entire ceiling. I have helmets in storage. I have helmets. I have things pre civil war. I love our flag. I love our flag. And I, I moved from, you know, from the South side of Chicago, I've been living in Texas 20 years. We don't pay income tax. Number one. and, don't even think about coming here screwing our flag. Anyway, that being said, uh, <laughs> I just, I love surrounding myself, you know, with memories, with the fire service. I just, sometimes this is my place. I just sit and go, God, I love this job. God, <laughs> I love being you know, a firefighter. Hey, yeah, that's something that comes
1: through in everything you've written. And every time I hear you speak is that you do love the job. That is, there is no doubt about that whatsoever. Um, I wanted to ask on the, uh, the, uh, us first mentality, the whole safety first our safety in front of the citizen, uh, do you feel like that's subsiding? you feel like it's
0: Crescent is going away or do you feel like it's still? I, I think what it's done really is is we realigned it to where it should be. So I said this, you know, the safety for us regarding how we take care of the civilian starts back with everything at what time you show up at your firehouse for your shift or at your volunteer place, how many drill nights, because we have, you know, we have a big crowd that, that follows you, you know, Drill nights, meeting nights, how into the job you are, how much time you make, you know, even when that stuff isn't going on to beach your firehouse. Proper equipment, all that stuff, the training, the leadership. And then let's, let's just drive to the scene. Let's just drive. How safe of an apparatus operator are you? And are you wearing seatbelts? And are you blah, 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 blah? And when you get off the rig, are you dressed? With your tools? With your stuff? All these different things, you know, I have very little patience. It happens one time. Get off the rig without your stuff unless you're coming from a drill I'll send you home, and I've done it. It happens one time. Come around with no tools in your hand. It happened, chief. They sent me back. I said it was my first week, and I go, "Where are your tools?" I go, I go back on the rig. I said, "Go back, go back on the rig." Unless you're good at magic tricks, right now, I don't need you. Right. not say st- how in God's name do you get off a piece of fire apparatus without your turnout gear on, without an air pack on your back, and without your tools or a line or whatever? You know. So, so, so that being, I think we've just, I think we've gotten it more realigned again, Corley, where. Okay, we can still we can take a cal- I'm about a calculated risk in a highly calculated. We we can risk here. Here it is. Here's simple simple thing. This has been the risk management plan I have embraced since the early '90s. Right okay, and, and and we it's posted in our books. It's posted all over our firehouses. We'll risk a lot. In, it's it's in it's in green. We'll risk a lot. In a highly calculated and controlled manner to risk, to, to save a saveable life, meaning highly calculated and controlled. Calculated is knowledge of fire behavior, building construction, what my turnout gear could do, how many gallons per minute come out of a hose line, what does it take to get the water out the hose line, blah, 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 blah. And then controlled is our SOPs, our SOGs, our instant command system, accountability system, person, all those different Love things, it. highly calculated and controlled. Then in yellow, it says we'll risk our lives. Now, first one was in green, we'll risk our lives a lot in a highly calculated controlled manner to save a stable life, right? right in yellow, the next one, we're talking stoplight here. We'll risk our lives a little in a highly calculated controlled manner to, to save, you know, property. I hope to God we take a little risk to save people's stuff out there. Not the same risk you can take when there's someone inside sure, or whatever, but there, hell, just us driving red lights and sirens adds some risk to what we Absolutely. do. To even, to even Absolutely. Absolutely. And the third, Corley in red, all in red, is we will not risk our lives at all, at all, for lives or property that are already lost. Now again, this is where your training comes through. This whole, you know, we're talking to hit a harp, the yard, all these different things, so so forth, which is also taking a little bit of resetting. Um, I love, absolutely love, and embrace the close the door. You know, they're doing you know, Most of us with your kids, you put them to bed and you close the door just, you know, because you want them to go to sleep and I hear noise. Right. We know it. You get into, you, anytime we've had fire extend up in other portions of a residence, you know, or, or into a part of us because someone left the door open or Absolutely. whatever, bunch, yeah. close the doors. We've shown pictures of rooms that are gutted, gutted by fire, and they open a door in the room right next door. It's yes. like there's someone sleeping in the bed. A little soot around the frame, you know? Yeah. So let's talk about that for a second. You pull up and there's fire blowing out the front four windows and a bedroom window, and you hear this, we're out, it's fully involved. No, it's not fully involved. We have heavy fire showing. We go, I used to say for a long time, we go every year in October and we lie to little kids and we tell them, if you hear the smoke detector, you know. Um, if you smell, so you crawl out of your bed, you stay low. Cause that's where the, that's where the fresh air is, the best air is. And you get to the door, you feel at the back of your hand. If it's too hot, you don't open the door and, and you wait. Cause who's coming to get you. Right. We're coming to get you. The firefighter. Well, right. well, well, let's wait though. Hold let's on. Wait. So right. we pull up and I've got, you know, I, again, I think you've seen that reset as well. If you don't know how to make a decision regarding whether you should make an offensive attack an interior off because there's an interior offensive attack and there's an exterior offensive attack that gets you to where you can absolutely. make it in. Let's just say offensive or defensive. You should not be riding in the front seat. You shouldn't have any trumpets anywhere on your body or ride in the front seat. If you can't make that decision as to whether you should or should, you know, you can't make
1: it any clearer than that. That's pretty, that's pretty, uh, I guess, yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, no know, know your job. You know, and know the risks you can't take and the risks you should take. Keep your people's best interests heart, but know there's people out there that are counting on us.
1: And I like the term you used earlier the slingshot, you know, offensive exterior attack and slingshotting right inside. I love that term.
0: Uh, Well, how many times you pull up and somebody dead, let's let me hit it with the second floor with a deck gun real quick, you know, or, or two and a half. Let's slow it down a little bit from the outside. Give us a chance. Hell, they were throwing buckets of water back. I have leather buckets, four of them in my office right here. From from a long time you know. ago, They used to throw water. Then transitional tax been around for a long time. Let's throw buckets of water in the window and let's go. Cool. So yeah, you know, hit it heavy from the, have it, the military. Boom, 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 boom with the big guns, and then they go in, and, and, they go they, in. And, they, and they yeah, and they work it and creep and finish things off. I did like
1: that slingshot. I like that. Uh. <laughs> Uh, history and tradition, these seem vital and you've touched on it just with your background and your, your fire helmets and the leather buckets, uh, history and tradition, these seem vital to your leadership, vision and style and passing it on. Um, how do you, how do you propagate that? Is it just strictly through the storytelling and, and, and because it's important to you, it's important to those around you?
0: Uh, you, 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 just said it, you so as I say, if they see it's important to you, if they see you value our heritage, people are throwing away our heritage they're throwing old stuff in the garbage. I'm looking right now at, a, at a, a one of two actual Hugh Halligan, Halligan tools I have. They're not bars, Halligan tools. I've got the probe. i got the, the, my probe bars. i got all my tools where I can see them. The first one I got was a gift from a friend of mine, Chris Delizio, a lieutenant retired from FNY. I, I love Chris. He was one of Chief Salka's drivers for the longest time in the 18th Battalion. Chris, a great firefighter. Um, the second one I was teaching, and I, I came up. It was break time, and I looked at the back apparatus floor and there was a pallet with old hose. If you've ever seen, if you if you haven't seen an actual Hugh Halga Halga tool, go to my YouTube channel, Chief Lasky. I did. There's it was a periscope presentation. It's on. It. Scroll back, you'll see it. And I show both bars. If you if you know what I'm talking about, you'll always recognize what Corley. You okay, know what I'm saying? You okay. see it, and go. God, I ran across the bay. Holy shoot! There's a and, I, and it was kind of rusty, which you can clean up. I go, what are you doing? They go, Oh, we're throwing all that stuff. I said, No, 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 no. This needs to be hanging on the wall of your firehouse. And the, this is a this is a Helgen. Oh, yeah. We have and I said, No, this is the Halgen tool. This is <laughs> chief <laughs> Hugh Helgen. By the way, he was the battalion chief, the 18th battalion, my buddy John Salker. Right. right. I did not this know is, that. Yeah, so a Hugh Halligan, and you can look at it because it's solid lava, but you look at the at the fork and the tines and on the bottom. You know, is his signature embossed, Hugh, his signature, Hugh Halligan. Then underneath it, there, there's two initials, a cross, and two initials. That stands for the glory of God. Can you imagine? Oh, my. I see guys throwing hose away, and I always tell them, don't throw anything away. I'll ship it to my house. I don't sell nothing. The only thing I've ever quote-unquote sold was I had a pallet full of old two-and-a-half hose of brass couplings, and a, a guy I know was refurbing his 1924 American LaFrance pumper. Okay. And you needed a hose, and I said, "Look, if you'll if you'll pay me for the freight, what it cost me to ship it to my house and to ship it to you, you can have it. As wow. long as you don't sell it. As long if you're going to re- restore the rig and put it on display, I'm fine with it. But um, people throw out their history, their journals. Um, they don't hang the pictures on the walls. They don't celebrate right. our heritage. And then number two, they don't study our history. They don't get the books out. You know, fired America." these are books that are no longer published. You can go to abebooks.com, A-B-E, like Abe Lincoln, books.com. Type in, if you're ever looking for a book that's not in print, that go there. That's the place? Okay. Yeah, type in the author's name or the book title, abebooks.com, and boop, it'll pull it up. So they're no longer print, but you still get them. The first book is Fire in America. Fire in America, written by a guy named Lyons, L-Y-O-N-S, published, eh, I want to say 1974, and he, he wrote a book called Fire Later, and it's not the one you want, folks. You want Fire in America. And he talks from Jamestown. And this is in my one history. I do a history class called Our History. This should be day one in the fire academy. Before you teach any firefighter, anything else in the world, teach them why we exist, why we're here in the first place. Love that. Fire in America walks you from Jamestown, our first building codes, if you want to talk about that, in, in the history of our country, all the way up to the 70s and how these fires have impacted what we do in the fire service and changed the fire service. Wow! The second one is the romance of firefighting. The, the romance, the, yeah. The the I would say the the romance of firefighting. The romance of firefighting, written by a guy named Holzman, H-O-L-Z-M-O-N, I believe. It's a 1950s edition. This is the fun stuff, man. This is horses and buckets and steam engines and oh my god, this just. That's the fun one that helps. And then the third one is called The Heritage of Flames. The Heritage of Flames, written by a guy named Cannon, C-A-N-N-O-N, like the big gun, Cannon, 1970s. He just passed away not too long ago. He wrote the history section for Fire Engineering's Firefighter 1-2 Handbook. And that's kind of a mishmash smushing of all the stuff. Now, people always ask, is there a good history book? Yeah, thousands of them. (laughs) There's probably 15 of them, just fire alarm boxes. I have... I have bins full of books. I have a whole closet right here. I've got books over here. You know, those are three real good ones. You know, when it comes to the hit. know the history, know that Mrs. O'Leary's Cow did not start the right. French Cow. You know, I mean, there's firefighters that have no, no idea. If you'll let me just for a second, Corley. Go. Um, their firefighters have no idea why October, why October is always Fire Prevention Month and why the week of October 8th is always Fire Prevention Week. October 8th, 1871, anniversary of the Great Chicago Fire. That's why the president way back when said we're going to declare that week Fire Prevention Week and October Fire Prevention Month. Well, what's even more tragic than that fire in the great city of Chicago, if you're ever down at the Fire Academy on DeKoven Street, outside there's some artwork in front of the main doors, two tongues of fire. Take your picture next to it. There's a plaque there. That's the point of origin of the Great Chicago Fire, the O'Leary Homestead, the O'Leary Barn. But. A cow didn't start the fire. Mrs. O- Kate O'Leary and the O'Leary cow. And a long time ago in the city of Chicago, they did an investigation. They exonerated the cow and Kate O'Leary. The cow didn't do nothing. It's a lie. It's, it was a story conjured up by a Chicago Tribune reporter. It was fake news back in the 1800s. Anyway, there was another fire that same day, Corley, that people aren't of. The same, not 10 years later, not 10 months, the same exact moment in time, 100-something miles north of Chicago, Peshtico, Wisconsin. If you go to the Google, <laughs> I always call it the Google. If you go to Google sure. and you Google the forgotten fire, it'll come up, Peshtico, Wisconsin. Over 2,000 people were killed. Great Chicago fire killed 300 people. Same day 2,000 people died. we don't ever talk about it. That's why it's called the, the forgotten fire. No doubt. So if you understand that, then you understand why. Everything we do is because bad stuff's happened to people. Everything we do is because... Um, something significant happened. The whole reason we do fire drills in schools, there were lots of school disasters. Our Lady Angels Catholic School Fire, December 1st, 1958, 95 fatalities, three nuns, 92 children. So, the next time you go to do a fire drill at school, and one of your young firefighters says, I can't believe we're here doing this BS drill, All right? Hammer her back and show them the memorial page and say, The only reason we went is because of the little kids. The reason we have codes in place in public assembly, or let's back up, theaters, Iroquois Theater in Chicago, 600 fatalities. You know, you look at the, the Brooklyn Theater, in New York, the Roads Opera House, of Port, Boytown, Pennsylvania. The reason that codes in place of public assembly, social clubs, Coconut Grove, with Florida fatalities in Boston, Beverly Hills supper club in Kentucky, Happy Land in the Bronx, a block, two blocks from John's Firehouse on Forty Eight Engine. When you, you nursing homes. The reason we have codes of nursing homes, Kate J Memorial, in Missouri. Killed all, burned to death, all those nursing, pa- wow. nursing home patients. And that week, the governor changed the laws in that state regarding nursing homes, and the rest of the country followed wow. suit. Uh, you know, when you look at hotels, you've got the wine cough in Atlanta that was a catalyst. There's always a tipping point. Okay, no more of this from now on. You know, hospitals, cleaned, cleaned The Cleveland Clinic Fire, when the x-ray film created the cyanide, killed the patients. Um, penitentiaries, Ohio State Penitentiary, 320 fatalities. Wow. On and on and on and on. And then, and then there's firefighters, they have no idea. You ask him so what do we what do we put in natural propane gas as the odorant because it's natural states odorless well so let us say we're captive. well right. yeah why to make it smell no that's not the reason why well that's no that's not the reason you know and and and, my, and I'll say that the whole, it, it was a tragedy that we don't want to we, we forget about New London Texas March 18 1937 East Texas New London middle school brand new middle school there was a gas leak it was called green gas because it had no odor to it a worker started a tool, threw a spark, blew the school, Google Texas school, for your viewers, Google Texas school, Texas school explosion, killed 325 little kids that are teachers. And two weeks later, Texas legislature passed a law saying to put captain in natural propane gas, the rest of the industry followed suit. So the next time you go on another BS gas leak, right. bring them back as sit on the memorial page. So. That's just a smidgen, Corley. Of, you want your people to embrace our heritage and the history of the fire service. Let's talk about that first. And then in there, talk about why we do the, I just, right before I went on the air with you, I sent out the policies and our, our steps on how to do a wedding down, a ceremony of a new rig and pushing it in. And, you know, then you get into the fun stuff. Why there's, why is there red lights in the front of firehouses? Why the four fives at a funeral memorial? Why the, why the, why the, why I, I guess that's me. I want to know, tell me why. You I, know. Can, I can
1: tell you this that there is no doubt that it is important to you because I, I i am not afraid to say when i don't know something and there was a ton of stuff you just told me that i had no idea of
0: so well but there's guys with there, seriously you've been doing this a long time there's guys with 40 years that don't know why we exist cuz no one ever shared it with them so we need to get we need to sit down and have the tactics strategy talk but let's talk about why we're here you know and and what how we got to where we're at so you can truly embrace it and care about what you're doing today. I, that's one of the reasons I love doing this. I get, to, I get straight from the horse's mouth some of the best <laughs> stuff ever. Or so. well, the horse's ass, I guess. You know. It's every way you want to
1: say it. Like you said, I love that part where you say, always be able to laugh at yourself. Take that's it full it. circle right back to the beginning. <laughs> All right, I do this thing called Five Questions for Firefighters. It originally started as just one question, which was what's the number one issue facing the fire service? But I felt like that was kind of negative. And so I've turned it into the five questions for firefighters. So are you ready, Chief? Sure. All right, here we go. Number one is what is the number one
0: issue facing the modern fire service? Number one issue is us wrapping our arms around, I guess, two 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 topics: cancer prevention and and mental health awareness. We finally, the fire service has finally gotten to a point where we can say it's okay to not be okay right. and to ask for help. It doesn't mean you're a weakling. Doesn't mean you're a coward. Doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It's not normal for a firefighter to see what they see, and we're finally to a point where. We have systems now where you don't, you're you not made fun of, you're not, you know, looked oh, down yes. on, that it's okay to not be okay. Number two is we finally have gotten to a point where are paying attention to our the carcinogens in our gear from fires, in our rigs. Now, we went, again, the fire service takes things way. <laughs> a little overcorrection. And it brings them back. And it's like, you know, clean cabs. Well, that works great in Florida. Two thirds of this country has a winter. So when it's 10 degrees outside, where am I supposed to dress? I get undressed out of my bunker gear. What am I supposed to put on to get back to the fire? I mean, I think what I've said, I think we're two great ideas away from figuring that whole clean cap thing out to where it works for everybody. But I think the biggest right there, if those two things you have to couple together mental health awareness, cancer prevention, that's where we're at. Definitely turned
1: the corner on the mental health awareness here yes. in the last. Yes, I think so. Um, number two, question. What is the thing you are most excited about for the future of firefighting? Say the first part again. I'm uh, sorry. What are you most excited about for the future of firefighting?
0: Oh, God. To see what we're going to have for apparatus, tools, and equipment. Think about this. I already talked. Go back in time to the 50s, to the 20s. And those firefighters back then, That's that steam engine that the, the horses used to pull, that was – the most current state of the coolest, Yeah. Coolest, most current freaking, I mean, golly thing they ever had. Right And then I, Mm -hmm. I just think in my years going, Mm -hmm. God, I, I remember this. I used to ride tailboard and now I look at what we have thermal imaging. I have my own thermal imaging camera, my own tick right here in my (laughs) office. Okay. Oh my God. To to see where the fire service is going to be in the future. Is is a wee bit overwhelming sometimes because you know why? Because firefighters, I'll say it, I'm very partial, are some of the greatest people, most progressive people I know. They're always coming up with new ways to do stuff and better ways to do things. I love it. Third question: best rank position to be in in the fire service? Best, best rank. I just say it's firefighter. You know, I, the best, the best officer position was captain. Okay. Chief of department. Great. The job can suck. I'm telling you, you know, <laughs> the guy, you know, no matter what, you, I mean, sometimes don't you're damned if you do you are damned if you don't right you know, on. just deputies assistants are nice. Cause you always throw it up one, <laughs> throw the blame up one more the level. Buck, the butt got one more level to go. That's right. Battalion chiefs, you know, you've got, but man, that captain on a truck company or an engine. Oh man. is an officer, but the best position, if I could go back right now, if you said, Jumping Stewie Griffin from Family Guy, jumping his his time machine. I go back to being a firefighter paramedic. I'd go back to riding the ambulance, starting IVs, innovating people. I go back to riding on my truck company, climbing up. I was a roofer, getting up on roofs. I, I would God, I would go back to being a firefighter in a heartbeat. Nice. Perfect answer. Uh passionate
1: answer too. Uh <laughs> number four, this could be alone. Best advice you ever received.
0: Worry about the things you can fix, not the things you can't. That's it. Best Strong. of all, whether it's an officer or a firefighter, you know, Tommy Shravino. oh my God, the My Saw guy. When I tell that My Saw story, Tommy's the one. He goes, you know, I mean, I'm, a, I'm Italian, Polish, which means I have a real bad temper. I forget what I'm mad at, but <laughs> he's the one who told me a long time ago Ricky, worry about the things you have. Con- don't worry about the things you have no control over. Worry about the things you can fix, not the things you can't. We waste more positive energy in the fire service on things we have no control over. Worry about yourself. Be the best firefighter. Be the best person. Be the best wife or husband, mom or dad, son or daughter. Be the best firefighter. You can be the best at what you're doing. doesn't matter. If I, I haven't got promoted lieutenant yet, well, if it's in the cards, it will. Be, be the best at whatever level you are, you know. And, but worry about the things you can fix, not things you can't. And again, you talk to most people that are all stressed out about things and you go, okay, so what, what, let's talk, break it down. What do you have control over this? Do you have control over that? Your chief? No. Do you have control? I had a young firefighter went off and off. He's like, and then my chief did this. And then my chief did that. And well, then my chief, and then my, and, then, and I, and I finally, when he got done, this is like a 10 page email. I swear to God, it's a true story. 10 page email. I replied to him. This is what I replied after he got the oh, advice. You've to be great. I said, Remind me what rank you are again. He said, Firefighter. And I replied to him, Kill him. <laughs> and he replied like two minutes later, Excuse me, Chief Lasky. And I said, Kill him. Now, I don't want him to kill his right, boss. My whole right. <laughs> point Firefighter. He or she's the chief. You cannot promote him. You cannot elect him. I don't know what else. You know what? Worry about staying. I hate that stay in your own lane, but worry about your own. So first, then you can start worrying about other people and all the rest of stuff, but that, that's it. Worry about things. You fix, not things you can't. Best advice i ever
1: got. Yeah. I love it. And, and if people follow that advice, they'll find that they affect more stuff as they do it. And exactly. So it's a, it's a exactly, self-feeding exactly. uh, monster. All right. <laughs> last final question of the five questions for firefighters and it's heavy fire and tenable space. Would you rather be assigned to the nozzle or first in the window on
0: VES? First in the window of VES. Now, my buddy John Salka would be screaming at me because he's an engine guy.
1: I was gonna say you're you a know, truckie, right? So
0: it is fun. It is fun being on that nozzle, man. You know, first of all, I'm a truck guy. I've never seen a fire. I've never seen a firefighter beat a fire out of pipe holes. I've seen some guys try, and as John would say, there are guys on ladder trucks that don't even know if fire just carry fire hose. And we go back and forth with this. But sure. The 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 energy, the, the, the rush you get, the 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 adrenaline rush you get. Let's just talk VES, not V-E-I-S, but V-E-S, crawling in, making sure that the floor is good, getting to the door, isolating the room, making a search, search, searching, let's just talk searching above the fire. Oh, God, you know, just making your way down a hallway, listening, looking, you know, when you can, but listening to hear, if you hear anything, it sounds human, making a door, Carly, I'm going in, man, you got the door for me, I go quick, all right, we're clear. Oh my God! It's it's Nothing it's like the it. ultimate rush. Nothing about that. That's a great answer.
1: Hey, every one of your every one of your answers was passionate. I think that I might describe about, you. I don't
0: know about that because uh, I'm wearing my my Chicago White Sox shirt. So
1: uh, I will ask you this: best place to contact you? I know right now with the the coming out of the COVID and everything that the 2020 has thrown at us. I don't know when conferences are going to ramp back up and things like that. But best place to contact you? Book a class, uh, order a book, anything you got going on.
0: I guess the catch-all would be the website is as is, is simple as pride all spelled out pride and com, or just shoot me an email. I try to keep things simple as chief Lasky at gmail.com um, is the best way we're booking, you know, anything that was all but four classes out of like 35 have all rescheduled for the fall or after the first year. And there's some new stuff. Um, you know, we're, we're doing a ton of things. Um, uh, we're always honored to come out. It is that it's an honor to come out and visit and share Uh, but pride and ownership.com or chief Lasky at gmail.com are probably the two best. Perfect. And I'm going to get down to Louisville and I'm
1: going to get a tour and a history lesson on, on a lot of this stuff in your office and around your place. (laughs) uh, Perfect chief. uh, I cannot say thank you enough for being a guest on weekly scrap number 38. It has been a pleasure to have you on. Uh, I could sit here and talk for hours, but uh, I can't say thank you enough, man.
0: Um, You know what? And I'll just say this. I'll end with this. Yeah. um, you have no idea what you just did for me. Uh, being able to visit with you and, and, and with your audience, if you will, you know, uh, like I said, I lost my dad. My dad's funeral was Thursday. Um, uh, I needed I needed an adrenaline pump. And uh, tonight you did it for me, brother. And I can't think, you know, if you, you helped me more. Than you you could ever imagine i appreciate that pal. of course Thank my
1: you. condolences and and everything and i'm glad you were and i'm everything so and uh, uh you I'll, got
0: me fired got me fired uh, up dude. good got deal me out of i'm
1: glad for that uh hannah closed with chief lift up a bucket to the camera i'd love to see it uh <laughs> sean coffee said ask chief last if he will sell me one of those buckets i'm sure he will not he no. already said
0: he doesn't sell anything uh, no if i could lift one up they're over here the reason i can is they have I have. Sorry, next time we have to have a movable camera. I have all kinds of lights: red lights, blue lights, uh, beacon rays. I've got twin, twin side, and I've. They're all. They're. I, I actually use them to put all my stuff on over on this one side. Right so, on. I'm looking at them. They got fire extinguishers on them. Three. I have one of those gigantic. Uh, it's a, it's it's a federal beacon with the four big beacons. It has a siren underneath. That that's on top. One of them. They're painted up really nice. But uh, sorry, Hannah, but. I'll have to dig him out, Nick. But I'm looking right at him. I, I need to have a camera, like I said. I can move around. Just do a you can just do a tour and then give a history lesson on each thing,
1: <laughs> each story. Uh, thank you, Chief. Um, thank you, everybody, for the questions and comments. I uh, hope you enjoyed it, Chief. Thank you for coming on again. I can never say thank you enough. I feel so blessed in this to get to talk to so many people, fire service leaders, um, and I'm humbled to get to do that and so uh, coming up next week is no nothing next week next week is 4th of July which means happy birthday America and the week after that Frank Viscuso and onward and forward for everybody watching thank you so much for watching I hope the tone stays silent unless it is burning Chief Lasky thank you again for coming on thank you brother thank you everybody thanks for listening to the weekly scrap please subscribe and please
0: share We'll see you at the next episode.